and welcome back everybody to the train of ambivalence with me zane and me amrick welcome back and it's good to be back and it's friday and it's the weekend and we can spend the whole weekend playing games and not talking to anybody and not leaving the house because it's dangerous out there you say that, but I'm at work where it's also dangerous. <laughs> That's a very good point. So you're back, you're back at work now. So I guess you're out there on the front lines trying to save lives and not die yourself. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I'm, I'm working um, Saturday and Sunday, so it should be interesting. Hopefully this is a, this, this sets the tone for your weekend then, this podcast. I, I hope so. I hope it like sets off on a, on a nice tone. I can, I can only hope, but um, I'm working with some interesting people this weekend, so it should be a good laugh at least. I, I still stand by my idea that when you read someone their last will and testament, you plug our podcast to their family and say, I'm so sorry for your loss, but to make you feel better, listen to The Train of Ambivalence on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, and I mean, like, my, my, my general thing, wait, what I tried... I try to communicate. I'm just like I'm so sorry for your loss, um, but like I also have to I also have to give them a lot of information about the next steps, about how to proceed because like everything happens really quickly once the person actually does pass. Yeah, and we've got to like we unfortunately have to bombard the family with or the next of kin or whoever with yeah. a lot of information just so they know what to do with the body. So I could try to plug the <laughs> podcast in, but. With with all the information overload that I've got to like feed these people after some, they've just probably lost a loved one, I'm not sure if they're going to retain the information off the podcast. Just turn around to them like so worth, uh, a, worth a shot. We'd expect the body to to end up with rigor mortis over maybe the pro, the period of about 24 hours. But if you have a single hour, then listen to the train of ambivalence <laughs> while you're it's waiting. What they, it's, it's what they would have wanted. It's what they would have wanted. In fact, have it playing at the funeral. <laughs> It, it brought them a lot of peace and comfort in their final hours. Yeah, I, pl- I played it on repeat, and they were moaning, but they were moans of like of of joy and finally being entertained in their final hour. Funnily enough, I had a patient who passed away recently, and he actually like his family bought him loads of Neil Diamond CDs, huh. and started playing and I started playing them a lot. And then mm. I re- I like realized again how much I actually do like Neil Diamond. Yeah, I was going to say, you have Neil Diamond playing on repeats when, when you're yeah. working. I'm sure you will end up really, really liking yeah, like, like the Sweet p- Caroline p- on repeats. Oh, and some other, tr- like his best, basically his greatest hits album on okay. repeat. Hmm. And there are some tunes on that record, I've got to say. Hmm. But, um, but now I kind of just associate uh, Neil Diamond with him dying. Yeah, that's what I say, I now associate Neil Diamond with death. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But absolute banging like some fantastic tracks in his greatest greatest hit album gotta say i wonder if we can potentially reach out to neil diamond and get him to do a podcast theme for us i don't know if that's asking too much but now that we've we've given him a shout out maybe he'll get like more fans even though he's neil oh, diamond. that'd be amazing if you can make like a crazy like really good jingle for us and then maybe like some like really nice ones to get in between segments and stuff that'd be really cool now they're talking about movies like it'd be great i i still love in like in scrubs when like turk would do like a neil diamond <laughs> neil diamond on and i don't care yeah he did. Looking that's like one of my favorite bits yeah um so yeah uh, death aside we, we actually have some news to talk about this this week i think it's so news indeed we do indeed we do would you like to kick it off yeah, do you know what? I think what would be a good place to start. So they did a reveal yesterday for Pokemon Snap. 
And uh, for Pokemon Snap and the Nintendo Switch this year, um, and it's going to be set in the Lentil region, which means it's the region of Dal for all of you Indian people out there. Which is yeah, it's super weird reading that, but it, it's it was kind of like when um, Fire Emblem um, had that region called Leicester, and I was like, eh, I don't want to play that game. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, is that because we're from there that they? suddenly based it on us for some reason what the hell like that was very very out of the blue for fire emblem yeah but and it is like strange the, ex- the exact spelling as well it's quite weird to see but i'm 100 yeah. percent sure somebody in the development of fire emblem was like was just picking out a map and put their finger randomly on on a, on a map of the globe and was just like lester here we go <laughs> <laughs> oh man they could have tr- it could have been worse they could have done something like loughborough or <laughs> Corby, <laughs> Corby would have been quite bad. Sorry, sorry, anyway, anyway, Pokemon. <laughs> but yeah, Pokemon. So Pokemon Snap. Uh, this game, the original, came out in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and it was, it was a game I've not played. But it's like an on-rail shooter. You take photos of Pokemon doing shit, um, and you play as like a kid from the anime who was in it for like one or two episodes. And I remember not liking him very much when he was in the anime. Um, no, I didn't either. Yeah, I'm glad we we're both on the same page. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, you know, this is a podcast of hating that specific guy. I forgot his name. I think it was like Snapham or something. Hmm. Uh, fuck him. It was, it was something corny as fuck. Yeah, and I don't know if you play as him again. I didn't really look into it because again, I'm not that interested in Pokemon Snap. I don't. I'm not uh, a a Pokemon Snap fan as big a Pokemon fan I am. I like the the um, the like actual games. Yeah, let's face it. We're, we're like RPG nuts. So like yeah, exactly. Like, um, maybe it's because I didn't have an N64 growing up and still have never really played any N64 games. So um, I have no nostalgia for that game. But it's cool that it's coming out. It's cool that people who who like the original finally get a sequel to a, what I think was a relatively successful game for an N64 game. Yeah, I believe it did actually sell quite well. And it does visually look really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, like, the theme music they had in the trailer was quite cool. Yeah, and playing it with controls would be fucking cool as hell. Yeah, but... Um, I don't know how, how, like, if I were to get it, I'm not sure how much enjoyment I would get from the experience, given it's like an on-rail shooter in, yeah. in that in that kind of um, what the game is, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel the same way. I don't really, I have no real plans of getting it. I think it's great for people who like the original, but I'm not too interested in this one. Um, as much as I love Pokemon, I just don't care about, like, them doing stuff in their own habitat. I'm interested in how they fight each other. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it sounds really bad, but I like to see the animals fight each other. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not a nature guy. I'm a, I'm a fucking cockfighter. Like, don't get me wrong. It was really cool to see some of the um, the Pokemon just frolicking in the in the in their own environments, which was all pretty cool. Yeah, um, I found it really weird. Like towards the end, where they do like this little reveal, and it looks like oh, it's some amazing Pokemon's gonna like pop up, and it, guess who the fuck? Guess who they chose? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was an awful reveal <laughs> they could have chosen a way better Pokemon for that <laughs> God. but yeah I just thought that was worth bringing up just purely because of the lentil region um, the other piece of news I wanted to talk about um, I mean do you have anything that you saw recently I mean like I was just picking up a few things like I saw um, that a clothing company in America was releasing some Animal Crossing themed um, apparel Okay. And some of the stuff looked really cute, and they had these really nice kind of fuzzy jumpers. They'll make a lot of money. Yeah, they they looked really cool. Um, unfortunately, everything in that range was for girls, 
<laughs> I mean, like the fuzzy jumpers, like the they came with like matching like hot pants, which are also fuzzy. That's um, um, and yeah, of course it all sold out really quickly. So yeah, yeah. So I couldn't really get anything, unfortunately, because it was all for girls. But I hope if anybody, if, were... if anybody wants to make Animal Crossing apparel for men, I'd happily buy it. <laughs> I hope that they were bought by girls and not just like creepy old men on the internet. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like it was all looked like really fairly comfortable loungewear, so can be creepy and comfy. <laughs> That's a good point. It can be comfy while he creeps. Exactly. So yeah, there's Animal Crossing clothes that have come out, and I feel like that is a fucking money, an absolutely baller idea to be honest. Because imagine how much money you would make for it without. Yeah, that. true. Especially true. because of New Horizons. Like New Horizons blew up so much that. You could really profit off that, but yeah, fair enough. Um, how? Anything else do you have? What else do I have? Um, consumer, consumer Electronics Show was started yesterday. Um, a lot of uh, companies have dropped their new TVs, which I am really looking into. Okay. And I'm hoping to get a new TV by the end of this first quarter when the majority come out. To go to Sushima can stop teasing you by just sitting on your shelf yeah goes to Sushima um Valhalla I'm looking forward to play all these proper high definition games I could finally play yeah all the 4k games finally oh cool anything else like from the consumer and electronic show that's come out that looks interesting like do they just do mostly tvs and 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 stuff like that they do they do all sorts it's all kind of like the pioneering um technology new kind of stuff i mean like that's where they initially like announced vr so many years ago where they first came out with the hd tvs they were first announced on the consumer electronic show i've just been focused on the tvs (laughs) I, I'm like, a, hey. I am I am the consumer. I want a TV. <laughs> it's just like to you, oh, hey, look at all this cool shit. We've got this VR goggle set that you can that when you put it on, it, you can now it like injects itself into your brain. You're like, no, I just want the TV. Just, uh, just give me a goddamn fucking TV that's 4K, <laughs> please. <laughs> Literally, I'll take it any anywhere. Please, just give me a TV. Yeah, 4K HDMI 2.1, please. With <laughs> yeah, that's all I want. Quick refresh rate. 60 frames a second, all I need. Um, and so I think I've seen news programs about the CET before, actually, where like, because it'll be showing things like robots and shit, if I'm not mistaken, and going around a big, uh, a big exhibition. But I wonder, are they doing like a proper exhibition this year, considering COVID? Or is it online uh, mostly? It is all virtual. It's it all, is virtual. all virtual. Yeah, that makes sense. It's completely all virtual. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth getting COVID over a new TV, if I'm being honest. Depends on the TV. <laughs> okay, it depends, on, it, depends on, it depends on like your, your pre-existing conditions. Because if, if, if you have a chance, if you're like more than likely to beat it, then you know what? I'd take my chance for a new TV. Depends <laughs> how much you want the TV, but I still would not recommend it. You wouldn't recommend the TV or COVID? COVID. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I've got to draw the line somewhere, but even a TV, probably not. It's not worth it. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, okay, cool. Well, I, I have one final piece of news because yeah, there wasn't too much going on from last week to this week. The um, the Scott Pilgrim game came out yesterday on uh, on Switch on 14th of January. So 
Uh, not, we don't normally just talk about games being released, but I feel like this one's quite significant, to be honest with you. So um, if you're familiar, if you guys are familiar with the the history of the Scott Pilgrim game, so that movie came out in like 2010-ish. And uh, alongside that movie was a game that was like a beat-em-up and was like really highly revered and well-regarded. Yeah, it was really well-received and it was super fun to play and the reviews were fantastic. Exactly. And what ended up happening is uh, maybe a few years later, um, Ubisoft basically made it impossible to play because you just couldn't buy it anywhere and they took it offline. And and what happened is fans were like campaigning for ages trying to get it back. And I was reading the the guy who made it, um, his, his Twitter account, he was, and he was even like campaigning for it. And he ended up uh, getting it to happen, getting it to be re-released with all the DLC, etc., like how we've got now. And I think it's great. It's cool because it shows the power of fan campaigns. Like if you want something hard enough, you can eventually make moves. Um, what I would like to say though is, <laughs> I just, um, I just, I just thinking about the, um, the, 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 all the Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol once when he said that. If you want something hard enough, to, like <laughs> people just think they can go for it. Okay, cool. Yeah, so just in case anyone is listening, we're not the inspiration. Even though we we said last week that they were listening to us while they were while they were ransacking the Capitol building, um, we're not the inspiration for bad people. <laughs> just just to make that very clear. No, I'm shaking my head very very yeah hot. certainly yeah we're, we're just just to make it abundantly clear we we are not the inspiration for every for anyone doing bad things. Even though we talk a lot about death and and very dour things, yeah. but yeah. With what I would like to bring up, on, on not to digress too much, what I would like to bring up, though, is, you know, companies like Ubisoft, you take these games are offline, you make them impossible to play. You can't fucking blame people when they resort to emulation. You really can't. Like, this is the reason why the emulation emulation is such a big thing. Because yeah, companies, you, Nintendo. Yeah, it's like, you company, if you're making your games impossible to play, then you can't be surprised when people go about it in a in a in a non-legitimate way. There's uh, the guy, I don't know names very well, but it's the guy from Valve, like one of the main dudes. He once said about emulation, he was saying that it's it's not, it's it's uh, it, it, it's an issue that encapsulates an issue with um, supply. He's saying people, people will most likely resort to buying a game legitimately if that is available and if it is reasonably priced. Because oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure most games you can track down uh, legitimate versions of and disc versions of, but more more often than not, you're like paying over the odds if it's anything worthwhile, and you'd be paying like 400 pounds for a fucking Super Nintendo game. Like, why would you do that? And and that's what we mean is if these things were more readily available, people wouldn't pirate it. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, without really a doubt, and you can you can definitely see that within the Pokemon the um, Pokemon games themselves, particularly. Yeah, a lot of yeah. the DS games. I mean, even um, several Dragon Quest games that were released initially for early consoles were redone again for the Nintendo DS. Like 5 and, and, and yeah. yeah, and again, of course, the same issues like you've had with Scott Pilgrim and the price of, prices have just gone ridiculous, 50, 60, 150 pounds. That's yeah, that, not fair. That shouldn't be happening. Like, I remember seeing... Uh, uh, because of my cookies, I remember seeing Pokemon Soul Silver came up on my Amazon recommendations, and it was like three hundred pounds. I'm like, 
this kind of just showcases everything that is wrong with with this industry when it comes to that supply of old school games. Like I understand if you don't want to cannibalize your own market. So, so for example, um, if they were doing a remake of, uh, uh, like for example, when they released Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, then it kind of makes sense that Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green aren't on the same market. Yeah. I mean, kind of makes sense. At the same time, you're getting a completely different experience. But but if you're not giving people alternatives, if you're not providing them with ways to play it, then you can't fucking be surprised when they just go about it their own way. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Dragon Quest V right now on CEX and um, 75 quid. Yeah, see, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, no, yeah, it's ridiculous. So yeah, man, I thought we would, it was worth talking about. It was worth Ooh. going into that just because there's a lot of shit that gets tangled up when it comes to emulation. But I think companies just need to understand why it and like understand the root cause of it, as opposed to oh, yeah. as opposed to like blaming people and and saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing it, even though we're making it impossible for you to play our games. Um, do you have any uh, intention of getting the Scott program game? Uh, yeah, I bought it already. I thought I may as well. Just oh, you get bought it. it? It's like ten pounds, so you may as well, right? That is more good, actually. Yeah, it's ten pounds on the Switch eShop, and it's a, it's one gig of data. So may as well. I mean, you know, I feel like in moments like this, when people have campaigned so hard to get it, it's kind of. I felt like it's my duty to show my support. If that, I know that sounds really lame, but it's but it's like they it's, you it's want nice to show support and make them yeah. realize that they should be releasing these sorts of games more often. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's nice that you showed your support, and it could things could very well change. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the only way you're going to be able to make them change is by showing these mega billion publishers that there is a demand and that people are willing to back it. So yeah, show, show your support to the games that you know, the games that you love, and you'll get more of them hopefully. <laughs> In a perfect world. In a perfect world, exactly. So, um, in terms of our main topic today, so uh, it's been so long because. We, we haven't talked about this game in a whole week, but what we decided, so originally we were going to do a worst of 2020, and what we realized is all of 2020 basically falls into that worst of list, and we barely had anything to talk about. So Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's such a wide and open space that you kind of like stare out into it and not have anything to say. <laughs> Exactly. So what we decided is instead of doing a worst of 2020, because we basically touched on it last week when we were doing the, the, um, the, the best of 2020 and uh, the, the worst of 2020, sorry. And the thing is about the worst of 2020 is um, we just, we just had nothing to talk about. So we thought we may as well just go with the topic that we we would be able to like go a lot more in depth with and what yeah, something, clo- and- something close to our heart something dear to us something dear to us and something that we both have completed recently uh we did touch on it last week and we thought may as well just do like a full review now that i've actually beaten the game as well um so what we're going to do is do a review uh, like a comprehensive review of hyrule warriors hyrule, age of calamity Man, you're, you're, you're talking my language. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> AOC. Now, um, I think what a good place to start with would be to like touch on some of the things we mentioned last week. So uh, we, we basically just went over like the, the beginning of the game, didn't we? Because you didn't want to spoil me. So by last week, 
I had only done the first two, um, getting like the first two missions, I think, because I, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd just gotten um, um, Abosa and Rivali. So yeah. I managed, I think, wait, when did we record last week? Like Wednesday? I believe it was a Wednesday, yeah. So that means on from Wednesday, I, I managed to beat the whole game on, in like four days. I mean, it's very doable. Like the campaigns are quite quick to run through which doesn't make them any less enjoyable. No. And it's the kind of game you don't want to put down once the story gets going. And and that's the thing. So in terms of general gameplay, I think the shorter length of the campaign kind of complements it because ultimately you are doing the same thing over and over again. And if the campaign was too long, you would feel that more. And I did feel that slightly towards the end. Like towards the end, I was like, can you just fucking hurry up and finish? Because... <laughs> Do you think it, do you think it's because the difficulty was getting ramped up a little bit, or do you think it's just because, like you said, the campaigns were just getting a little bit uh, repetitive? Um, I think it was the latter, to be honest with you, because it okay. wasn't just the difficulty even beforehand. So when I first started playing the game, and maybe mm-hmm. up until the midway point, every time new side quests came up, I would just do them, and then I'd carry on with the story. And then yeah. after the midway point, I was like man, these side quests are never ending. I'm just going to focus on the story missions and do whatever side quests I can do because otherwise yeah. I'd be here all fucking year. Yeah, exactly. Like so many, like a good like five or six would pop up each time after you do a main quest and you're like, oh my God, I can't keep on top of all of them. Exactly. And I want to I be able to just like proceed with the story. Exactly, exactly. Because what was happening is I um, I beat like five or six different side quests and go, oh, okay, I'm done, finally. And then do the story mission and then 10 would pop up and I'm like, oh, and then a new character would come and join the, the battle. And mm. and then it was like, oh my God, now I've got all of their side quests to do and power them up. And it's like, this is ultimately what these Musu games are about. They're about the grind. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. this is the first time I played it. And then I think by the end of it, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm very tired. But... I think overall it was a really fun time. Um, so yeah, let's let's go into a little bit more. So what we touched on last week was basically like uh, you've got the Hyrule Warriors uh, original game sort of blended together with mechanics from Breath of the Wild. Um, so you've got the Stasis, the uh, Magnesis, the Cryonis, and the um, the other one. Yeah, yeah, you've got all your little wounds. Eh? The bombs and everything you've got your little Sheikah slate you've got a little guardian that's gone back through time just before the calamity and good yeah. friend had by all it pulls a lot of stuff from breath of the wild whilst also being its own its own hyrule warriors game and i thought that was great so i guess what would be a good place to start would be the story um because the story caught me off guard a little bit um, when I first started playing the demo. And I think now will be a good time to go into like the story as a whole. Um, but just to make this super duper obvious to like anyone listening, if you plan on playing this game and you haven't played it already and you play Breath of the Wild, don't fucking carry on listening because we're going to spoil this game. Yeah, we're going to go heavy on the spoilers there. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're forewarned. You are forewarned. So this game isn't the prequel we thought it was going to be. Um, it, um, it, it, it's, it's basically um, Zelda Days of Future Past, if the best way I can, I can explain it. Pretty much, yeah. I'd say that's an accurate description. Yeah. It's, someone gets sent back in time. In this case, it was uh, the, little, the little guardian. An, ad- the box. an adorable little guardian. And 
it basically alters the course of history and everything just goes nuts and you get people from the future and future people from the past joining forces to fight off the present threat which um which had in the past killed everyone but now everyone everyone lives and that is ultimately Hyrule Warriors story in a nutshell but there are a fair few elements in between sorry I mean it kind of gives you like every kind of little bit everything you kind of wanted and wished for from the original Breath of the Wild, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And I think I saw a lot of people complaining that, you know, it's like, oh, uh, this is a bit of a cop-out. But, you know, if I'm being very honest, if if I played through the whole game and got, like, got used to all these characters and then they all had to die at the end, it would have felt a little bit empty. Yeah, that would have been quite harsh. Yeah. Or maybe maybe a good solution would be to give people like a, a branching a branching path to take, whereas like you can choose the ending where everyone dies or the ending where um where everyone lives. The problem with that is inherently um it would have to branch where Zelda gets her powers. Because yeah, in the original Breath of the Wild, Zelda only gets her um her awakened powers uh once it's too late. Yeah. And once Gallant's already sword. taken over. Yeah, once all the champions have fallen, once Link is literally on his last legs, it's then that she actually gets her powers. Whereas this time, um, she actually gets it maybe three quarters of the way through the game. She changes completely in terms of how she controls. Um, what I did find funny, though, is that in in that moment, she awakens her powers because she's like protective over Link. But I'm like, surely that moment would have happened in the original. <laughs> yeah, you think, but... It's it's nice. I think it's nice how they did it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have liked to seen a um, bit more of the kind of relationship between Link and Zelda. How like she initially didn't wasn't keen on him, hmm. but I can't complain. No, and I guess taking it from the very top. So we start off with the Guardian going back in time. The Guardian ends up um, meeting Link and the, the gang. Uh, the best way to put it. Um, and then they all go through the, the process of recruiting all the guardians, the champions, rather. Um, in terms of story, there's not a lot of significance to what you do until probably, as I said, like half, at least after halfway. Um, yeah, it's a, it's only once you get all the champions together, maybe you do a few more missions, and then shit starts to go south once the, once the calamity starts to awaken. Yes, it's once the calamity starts to awaken, once things catch start to catch them. In fact, I think the... The point of the story where it actually starts to ramp up and get really good is um, is actually when the calamity awakens earlier than they expected, and then they have to they have to go back and save all of the guardians individually. Um, champions, fucking champions, not guardians. Um, <laughs> I mean, you you, you, the, you are saving the divine beasts, which are kind of guardians in some ways. So That's I'll give it to you. <laughs> and so yeah, that that bit of the story is that what ends up happening is. Um, the the champions end up having to fight the beasts, the the blights who in the real timeline uh killed them. Yeah. And they look like they're on the last legs, and all of a sudden their future counterparts come to save them. Um and I forgot all of these fuckers existed, if I'm being honest with you. I, I did when really? Tima showed up, I was like, Oh, is that just another another Rito just showing up randomly? And then Okay, like, fair, fair enough. I, I've totally forgot um Tiba's name. Uh Riju, I did remember. Yeah. Uh, Yonobo, I, I did remember. And Sidon, I did remember also. But I have played through Breath of the Wild like three times. But, no, but to be fair, Sidon is like way more memorable because he's actually a part of... Like, 
I don't remember what Tiba does in Breath of the Wild, whereas Sidon, like, he, he interacts with Link a lot more, He I'm pretty sure. And also, I think the whole Link to Mifa makes him just automatically more memorable. Like, uh, what's his I name? Tiba's basically just a very militant... Uh, uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Basically. I can't remember um, Daruk's counterpart, what his name is, Gog Denobo. Yeah, Yonobo. Yonobo, that's it. Again, I remember him in Breath of the Wild being like cowardly and you having to go through the up up Death Mountain with him and like protecting yourselves from the falling lava. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so they, they come from the future and because the guardian, the little guardian brings them from the future and they save their counterparts. And then, yeah, the story basically carries on from there. They end up uh, facing Ganon all together, one united Hyrule. The Yigas become good. And, uh, and then, yeah, oh, that was, that, that was a great little curve. I saw, like there in the, in mm. the plot when the Yigas like <laughs> become good as fucking brilliant. That was fantastic. Especially because it's right after that mission where you go and infiltrate the Yiga clan hideout and you just fucking tear through all of them. And yeah, you, you like slaughter them all. It's one of my favorite missions in the whole thing. It's the only one I've replayed like uh, maybe two two times because I just I find it so much fun going through the hideout. And like the Yigas make a very satisfying noise when you kill them. <laughs> they, they do. They, they 100% do. And I did enjoy fighting the Blade Masters. Yes. Uh, one thing. One thing I really enjoyed about this game was the addition of the kind of the element. I know we touched about on it like gently uh, last week. Yes. The elemental, um, elemental Monsters. enemies. Yeah, yeah, they were really cool. The moblins and even the guardians. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, and it's like yeah, malice guardians and normal guardians, whereas moblins you get fire moblins, electric moblins, etc. Um, and even the Henoxes have the uh, have elementals. Yeah. So it's like in the original how you had the taluses. Um, each with their own flavor. Now every monster has that variation. And that's cool as hell. It makes fighting it was, a lot less samey. Yeah, it really does. And it did it did add like a nice kind of peppering, a nice level of difficulty with it as well. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, like the Lionels get so fucking aggressive towards the end. Um, <laughs> they're still not as hard as they were in, in Breath of the Wild when you're first fighting them. Or like... Uh, in, in, in the original, when you're fighting the silver ones for the first time, it can be very tricky because you have to have good timing. In this one, you can just bash the fuck out of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can just build up your special attacks and then just, like, in between that, use, yeah. I mean, like, combat is completely... It is quite different from Breath of the Wild, isn't it? The combat in general. Very different, yeah. yeah. So what did you think of the story? Like, how revered do you think it is? And does it play? I, I think what's important is I think this is where Breath of the Wild two carries on from. I think you could be right. Um, it'll be interesting to see what direction they go with it. But generally, the story of um, Age of Calamity I actually did really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, it it, it kind of like fixed everything I wish could have happened in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, brought some new additions to it, which is quite nice. Um, it all ended on a happy note. <laughs> like, like no one dies. Like, because let's be honest, you you probably were quite settled on the thought that the king probably did actually die. Yeah, I thought the king died. Um, I didn't. I when he became a playable character, it completely caught me off guard. Yeah, hundred percent. I did not yeah. see that coming whatsoever. No, but and and it's it's. I think it's fantastic when you have a game that does something like that to you. Like completely yeah. takes you off guard and you're like, oh damn. Like he was shit to play as, but um, 
The only the only point I knew he was a king is when um, they turn around to Zelda and say there's like a, a sword fighter who's who's fighting um, and you should go meet him and I'm like oh he's a king probably and then it turned out to be yeah. the king. The the one that really fucking caught me off guard I did not see coming a million years away would have been the fairies. I did not think the fairies would become a playable character. That like the actual fountain fairies just like I I didn't know how to use them to be very honest. But I just that was so, it was so weird. The novelty of like them being playable was cool as shit. I mean, I mean, you could say the same about um, Hetsu, and you could say the same about the monk. Mas- is it Maskozio? I forget. Master Koga. No, you get a, one of the Sheikah monks. You get, becomes a playable character as well. Oh yeah, I haven't unlocked him because I have no idea who you'd, which which Because um, I remember I stopped doing the side quests after a certain point. So was it from one of the side quests? Yeah, it's from one of the side quests in the same fashion that you can get the um, uh, yeah. the fairies, basically. Yeah. Um, he actually becomes one of the side characters. He has no relevance on the story, very much like the fairy, but um, and he is not that great to hand- handle either, to be honest. Hmm. And he yeah, doesn't really bring much to the table. Is it the monk who shows up at the end of the DLC for Breath of the Wild? I think basically it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's... Well, yeah, I, funny enough you say about the story and like the the side characters. It's like, I always wondered when in the middle of all the animations and those cutscenes, why the fairies and Hest, like the fairies, I didn't notice once. I don't think they were there. Whereas Hestu, you could like, you could see when you were in the middle of the fight. Um, the yeah. fairies were never there. I think they were just too big. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. Touching that, you let's talk about some of the size issues this game actually had. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought there'd be. There's quite a fair bit. I mean, okay. So first of all, let's go. Let's say in in terms of the overall um, feel of the game, what did you think? It was the combat? Combat. Um, I mean, I feel it was nice they brought elements of Breath of the Wild into it, and I feel those elements of from Breath of the Wild definitely did improve things from Haru Warriors. Hmm. Um, it was cool that you could load up on your special attacks. Uh, it's nice that weapons did different things. Um, it's nice that each character had their own kind of kind of personality with their combat. Yeah. Um, all their special attacks were different and occasionally the dialogue during the special attacks would change also, which was quite cool. Yeah. Um, there was some... With Link, he has a, does have a variety of weapons to use, which was really cool. But let's be honest, we probably didn't get much use of anything aside from the Master Sword. Yeah, once you get the Master Sword, there was no like I didn't feel the reason a need, a need to go back to any other weapon, especially because once you get the Master Sword, um, upgrading upgrading weapons is a bit like you have to be quite your resources are a bit scarce. In terms of you want to focus everything on like one weapon per character, you just don't have enough resources, especially if you want to play the game like how we did, which is go from like main mission to main mission as opposed to grinding yeah. side missions. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, yeah, that was basically the case. And since you wanted to progress with the um, with the actual main story, the fact that you could actually upgrade the weapons continuously was, mm. was fantastic. So you could pretty much just avoid grinding on levels and just instead just upgrade your weapons and hope, pray that you could just eat all the food that would give you all the cash bonuses. It's yeah. just what I did. Essentially, yes. Yeah. So I, I spent a lot of money. Towards the end, I traded in a lot of like the the gems and shit. 
and got a so I, I think I ended up spending like forty thousand rupees before the final battle just to make sure I I actually did it. Yeah, and it, and it was it was nice. We had the option. I feel like they it worked quite well. Yeah, it did. Um, in in terms of like the combat, there were points. So one one thing I've written down is like the game gameplay mechanics that did kind of get frustrating towards, especially towards the end, where enemies had a lot of a lot of health. Um, so firstly, the camera's fucked. Like the camera is really irritating when you're fighting against things which are uh, a big. So when you're fighting against your normal your normal size enemies, even like the moblins, they're fine. But it's when you're fighting against the Hinoxes, oh, especially when you're fighting against the fucking fairies, and sometimes against the Lionels, the camera is a twat. <laughs> it does, it, yeah, the camera kind of... It's like the camera panics and doesn't know what like point of view to take. It kind of flits between you and the... Yeah, it, it doesn't work. And it kind of just panics, and you're kind of left just button bashing and hope you kill the enemy that's the point is that i i was button bashing so many times where um an enemy would like i'd, I'd be trapped in the corner i couldn't fucking move because i can't see because the camera's just gone and not showing me anything and all i can hear is my like me connecting with the master sword and then i get hit and you feel like this doesn't feel fair that i've just been hit or i've just died because i can't see the goddamn character um and then another bit, another thing which kept annoying me uh, towards the end specifically is when you get fucking dogpiled by like multiple um, big enemies. So what I mean by that is you're in the middle of fighting a Hinox and you, you're getting your, you're, you're in the rhythm, you're trying to get it down to its last last bit of health and you're using your special attacks and your, mm-hmm. um, and your weak point smashes. And then a fucking Lionel will come out of nowhere and blindside you. And that was irritating because it just interrupts your combos, and it's like, yeah. you piss off! I'm in the middle of something. Yeah, I mean that was that was one particular level where all the blights were on the on the map, and yeah. you, you're attacking one, and then another blight just comes out of nowhere. So yeah, I guess the blight the blights fights are the worst when it comes to the camera, but they're also I I, I honestly Thunderblight can go fuck itself. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was bad enough in the game when it gave you gave you the actual so much grief from Breath of the Wild, but in this, yeah. it just took it to a whole new level. And this, the problem is that Thunderblight... So the thing about Thunderblight, it moves so quickly, and then it summons multiple versions of itself, and the camera just goes to shit. Yeah, it does. And it really does. It just gets very disorienting. And the thing is that it, like, it moves so aggressively and so quickly for something so big... And in Breath of the Wild, you can stop it in its tracks by um, by getting the little like by getting the conductor things and like making yeah. it electrocute itself. Whereas there's, there's no tactic here. All no. you can do is just swing away, hack and slash, hack and slash. Exactly, and it gets uh, very frustrating very quickly. The other blights were not fun to fight either, but it's. Oh, I hated fighting the blights in Hyrule Castle because I felt like they were just there to to get your health down, and they that those fights specifically, all of them had terrible cameras because of the wall mm. surrounding you. Again, yeah. the enemies were too big for their area, and you just constantly get trapped in corners. Oh, 100%. And that did get really frustrating, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, that kind of compounded on top of uh, a few other issues I had with the end game specifically. Like, uh, so 
specifically the the bit where the blood moon brings back all of the bosses i thought that was fucking ridiculous <laughs> that was that that was so stupidly unnecessary i thought they were gonna turn it into a mechanic like oh no the blood moons brought them back you need to go do this other thing to stop them from resurrecting but it's like no you just have to kill them another time yeah yeah like, I this mean, is padding. Like, like i totally forgot about the blood moons <laughs> until that happened I forgot that was a thing in Breath of the Wild until it actually happened. I was like, are you fucking shitting me? That's exactly it. Because it's like, are you kidding me? I've just gone and killed like six monsters in a row. All of them yeah. that I've had to I've had to take down and, and, and plan across who I'm beating. And then all of a sudden you're just resurrecting. Like resurrections are one of my least favorite mechanics for enemies in any yeah. type of game. Yeah, I, I kill you. I expect you to stay dead. I expect you to stay dead. It's so frustrating. I mean, the I end mean, game. The end game had a lot of that kind of shit. Which you know, I think for that final level, I was just pushing through because I wanted to be done. Because um, yeah, it, it does ramp up the difficulty a fair bit in that final stretch. Um, I, I, I'm really happy that it does. Like, you don't have to restart the whole uh, stage again if you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad that and th- oh, something they actually carried on from the um, actual Hyrule Warriors as well, which I was really grateful for. Yeah, um, and I did like I was just hanging on on that final stage um, until the very until after I beat the little robot. So basically, the robot turns evil um, because Ganon infects it, and you have to fight that. So I fought it, and then um, and then afterwards, I think I died to like the first form of Ganon. Yeah. Um, and I was like, "Oh no, you're gonna have to do all the whole stage again." And then, uh, but then, no, you just start at the bottom of the at the bottom of the ramp, and you have everyone on full health. And then I had no no problem whatsoever. Like the final fight against Ganon is fantastic. It was great, right? Yeah, it was so good. And uh, and we were discussing like the characters we used the most. So um, you, you took a liking to imp to uh, Mifa, didn't you? Yes. So. Um... Particularly throughout the entire game, I was relying heavily on Link and his Master Sword. Yeah. But towards the end of the game, when they start to increase the difficulty, um, you start to rely more on the other characters to give you some added support, especially when the maps were kind of getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And you had to meet objectives across the entire map. Um, Mifa really was like a standout character for me. So was Impa. Like they were fantastic players. Yeah. Um, but I think Mifa is slightly edging it for me over um, Impa. Hmm. What about you? It's pretty much the same, to be honest with you. So uh, in that final level, I used Mifa, Impa, and Zelda. Hmm. And um, for me, for me, Mifa was like fantastic throughout the whole game as well and so is Impa to be honest like Impa yeah. Impa when you know how to use her ability is probably the most broken character and I love I loved using her because because yeah when, it's so great when you have like eight clones all attacking the same thing at once it kind of gets ridiculous but it's amazing to watch like it's such a thing of beauty isn't it just her divided clones and it's a fantastic <laughs> yeah it's, it's cool as shit so that final party I was like really happy with. I was using Ravali a lot throughout the game because he basically he can carpet bomb things. Yeah, he basically it's just fine. like drone strikes everyone. <laughs> and uh, I did. I, I did. I barely used Daruk because he's so slow when he's walking around. I know he's supposed to be more powerful, but I, I, I he's supposed to be the power character. Yet I found Link to be just more powerful. So I thought, what's the uh, point? Link, Link is just more powerful, and he was just quicker as well. So Daruk and 
unfortunately didn't get much use and neither did uh you know you know exactly I, I i didn't really use any of the the uh future champions because well, they, they come in they come into the game too late and i couldn't be fucked to grind them um i just yeah i just wanted to get through but i i, I really enjoyed using those three or four um characters zelda wasn't useful to me until she became uh, awakened which i think was the point uh, yeah, I think even that was after the... she became awakened i found her arrows like the way the way the way to use them i wasn't 100 percent sure um i mm. i think i got a hang of it towards the end but even her like a lot of the damage i was doing was chit damage even though her her bow was as powerful as Link's Master Sword, um, Zelda just didn't seem to have any like hard hitting attacks. It was just like loads and loads. No, unfortunately, yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah. What? Oh man, there's a Zelda's training towards the end of the game took the fucking piss. So, for each character, once you unlock a character, you get you unlock their training, and what that basically involves is killing like hundreds of enemies within the time limits. And one of the main flaws of the the training missions is that they're not just like never never ending spawns of enemies like they are in normal missions. Um, they're like scattered across the map, and you have to fight and then kill the individuals. And yeah, that comes a complete pain. It is especially it when you're so, in the time So bad. Yeah, I, I the, the problem was Zelda's one, right? So Zelda's. Uh, Zelda's form of combat isn't the most engaging to begin with, Awaken Zelda. And in hers, you had to kill a thousand enemies and she's slow. And yeah, her, as I said, her combat isn't the most fun to, to, to like just go and kill loads of swarms of things. And yeah, it was just like, fuck this. It's, it, by the end of like enemy, enemy 900 and something, you're like, man, this is taking the piss. Like it's just too long. <laughs> Uh, in, I mean, ha- having to kill a thousand enemies with one character alone is just a bit of a ball ache, let's be honest. It's, yeah, there comes a point where it's just tedious, and that's what it was. It was just more tedious. And, you know, we're, we're going into a lot of criticism of the game. The game was great. It's just, yeah, the, the bad points stand out fairly fairly obviously to me, to be honest with you. Like, I knew immediately after finishing the game, I knew, like, when we were doing this review, this is what I'm going to talk about as being bad because it was very obvious. Mm. Definitely, definitely. But I think given my love for the series, it's kind of blinds me to many things, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I uh I'm a I'm a casual Zelda fan, but like I think having this as a as a um follow-up to Breath of the Wild story definitely like pulled me in. If this was just another isolated Hyrule Warriors, I probably wouldn't have bought it. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whereas like, because I, I still haven't played the original Iron Warriors, I don't really intend to. I think it's just a case of, I wanted to see what happened next with the Breath of the Wild story, or I wanted to see what they would do with it. I liked, I liked Breath of the Wild so much, I wanted more of that universe. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm excited for the sequel. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I think Hyrule Warriors as a whole was really good. Um, and if you do get a chance to, to play it, then you should give it a go because... It's it's a game I wouldn't recommend like rushing through like we did, but to be honest, we we did that because one, you know, you wanted to get through to the story, to the end of the story, but two, I, I felt like I wanted to for this review. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to just power through it as well, to be honest, because I was trying my best to avoid loads of spoilers on Tumblr and I kind of just got addicted to the story and I just wanted to see what's happening next. God, spoilers 
fucking suck. Because I hate that we're motivated so much by spoilers that we do things like we power through things that we're supposed to enjoy at our own pace. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the it's the perils of the the information age. It really is. Um, but yeah, man, like uh, Harold Warriors, it's uh, it's it's a good one. And if you get the chance, you just play it. I think in terms oh, of... Oh, definitely. As, as a follow-up to Breath of the Wild or as a prequel, I think it's it's good for um, a different type of game, you know? It's not anything too deep in terms of its gameplay, but its story sort of compensates for it towards the end. Um, oh, definitely. And and the gameplay, if, if you like it, if you enjoy going through and, and mowing down hordes and hordes of enemies, then you're probably going to enjoy it. It's cathartic, yeah. I think is the best way to put it. These sorts of games are, are cathartic. It's like, I'm, you're having a bad day. What do you want to do? Just go and fucking mow down fucking hundreds of enemies, just killing them all and doing super flashy over-the-top attacks. And yeah, Hyrule Warriors, and, or any Dynasty Warriors game is, is probably... <laughs> what you're looking for i mean very much it's good mindless fun it's totally something you could like lose yourself into and for that reason i would definitely recommend it also yeah i think where do you think the zelda series goes from here so let's like talk more about the future i think the breath of the wild 2 follows on from here because i just don't see how you make a sequel to the original like i don't know how how that universe continues because what's the point if that makes sense like you know because Calamity Ganon um, was in power of in that universe for more than a hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. So, anything you do from that point to follow it up, it kind of feels lesser, unless you wait. Because if it's the same Link and same Zelda at the end of Breath of the Wild one, you're going to be like, oh well, this is bad, but Calamity Ganon was worse. And even though you know the bad the bad guy is going to be yeah. Ganondorf again, I think. I mean, let's be honest, it could potentially take over from Age of Calamity. They could also do like a, another time skip from the original game and say, okay, yep, this is few, few, few years later. They are trying to rebuild um, Hyrule back up and they're currently investigating like, whatever is below the castle or something. It, yeah. They could take another things, or they could just switch up all together and just say, okay, yep, it's Breath of the Wild, but this is another different universe, There's another different timeline. It's it's interesting to see where they go from here. I don't know, like I I don't know how you would follow up Breath of the Wild, but I can see quite a fair bit of promise with with Age of Calamity, especially because, mm-hmm. like, you've played Age of Calamity, you've gotten used to these characters, you become a lot more accustomed to them, and you you know, like they have now uh, defined personalities and character and character traits. Like, yeah, definitely. We, we kind of got the gist in the original that Rivali was a bit of a dick, whereas now you get to experience it and be the dick when you play as him, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 uh, and you get the gist in the original that Mifa is like a sweetheart and um and and she's there because she's like she wants to help people and help her people. Whereas this time you're like you're actually saving the Zora as Mifa. That was really cool. But like, um, honestly, like those Zora missions, like they were so cool. I loved them. <laughs> I did I like, like I that. liked all the original, all the, um, all of the, the ones set in like their hometowns. I thought those yeah, were cool. Yeah. Like I, I loved the music with it. I have to say. The music was great in all of those, in those uh, missions. 
It, it can't just be me though. I found um, mowing down Gorons to be really funny. Like I, I don't know what it is about seeing Gorons going flying and getting hurt. I just found really funny. I think they were far more dramatic than the other species when you were mowing them down. It's also because they're they're the least humanoid, aren't they? Yeah, they, they it, it like... was a weird. <laughs> they, they, I think they also made a weird noise when they when you took them down as well. It was yeah, it was interesting to say the least. It's like you're um, it's like you're attacking a bunch of potatoes. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it. It's like uh, expressioned potatoes that you're just like mowing your way through. Whereas the others, they scowl at you. Whereas the Gorons, to kind of like they make the surprised face, and it's just really funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they look, they look they look kind of shocked and hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a lot of fun out of killing them. I will be it's so so. This game, I I think I texted you after playing it for just a bit, and I was like, man, thank fuck, friendly fire isn't a thing in this game. Yeah, thank God, because <laughs> like you're, you're literally just kind of like group all the enemies together and trying to take them down. But God, oh my God, you probably would have taken down hundreds or thousands of your own. <laughs> The number of times that you're doing like this this special attack, which you're clearly bombing an entire area, an area of effect, and and your your colleagues your colleagues your your friends are just like, yeah, hey, well done, and you're like, I just killed. I'm pretty sure you were in the middle of all of that. How did you not get hit by the bombs? Power of friendship. Power. I didn't understand how they were communicating. Like, do they have earpieces or something? Because you'd be on one side of the map and someone would be on the other side of the map and they'd be just talking like as if they're all next to each other. Yeah, but I I think that's pretty much how it is in the original Harry Warriors. I imagine it's the same in all of the Musu games, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's maybe a Dynasty Warriors thing where everyone's kind of perfected the art of communication on the battlefield. (laughs) But yeah, man, like, uh, have you got anything else that you want to bring up about Harold Warriors? I feel like we've gone into a fair amount of depth of it in terms of story and the mechanics. I don't really have anything else I want to... Um, I don't really think I have anything else I want to say about it, to be honest. I, I would love it if the um, game had, an, like, an option where you could just listen to the soundtracks. I'm sure you. I'm sure that you will find the soundtracks at some point online. Yeah, um, God, I hope so. That's a good point, actually. I probably should actually try and look. It's less be um, really cool because the original Hyrule Warriors is like very rock heavy, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this is more atmospheric. It's, it's more kind of uh, in keeping with the Zelda aesthetic, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think that that's a wrap on Hyrule Warriors. To be honest, I mean, as I said, it's not the deepest of games. You're not if you're not a fan of like mindless fighting then maybe you don't really need to like maybe just watch the cutscenes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say if you're not a fan of mindless th- slaughter <laughs> if you're not a fan but, of mindless slaughter like we are but yeah I I think it's it doesn't really take I think the main thing is it doesn't take anything away from the actual series it doesn't it's not anything less of a it's not your traditional Zelda game but it definitely does bring something to the table is what I'm trying to say yeah, absolutely. I think it, there is a place for it in Zelda. And I feel like there should be more like weird spin-off crossovers with this IP, or not just with this IP, but with like most of Nintendo. Because I feel like the only people, the only series that gets like uh, the crazy crossovers is Mario. Mm. 
I mean, we we had um, candidates of Hyrule. We've had um, Hyrule Royce, of course. Yeah. Um, These are sort of the the only. This only started happening recently, whereas Mario's been in, been crossing over with shit for quite a while. But yeah, I've heard, yeah, true. Like Mario Sonic at the Olympics, you yeah. I, I was thinking of um, the Mario and Rabbids, like stuff like that. It's very off. It's very left. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. I, I, as I said, Hero Warriors it was a fun time. I'm glad I'm done with it. I probably won't go back to it at, some, at any point, but. I might go back to it every so often for like a, a quick mission or two, but I don't feel the need. Now that I've finished the story, I don't feel the need to play it. Um, yeah, that that's a very good point. I, it's not got quite the replay value as, say, Breath of the Wild did for me. No, and you know, it's maybe unfair to expect that from it. I think for some people, they will like spend hours and hours and hours, countless hours grinding, um, just like in the original. Um, whereas I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, and and I very much know what you mean. Uh, it, it, like the later missions really kind of take out of you, and I don't really see myself doing that again. Yeah, absolutely. Later missions were not paced the best, and I think that's probably well, like that last mission took me, or one of the last missions took me like fifty minutes, and I was like at the end of it, just going, "Oh my god, I'm so tired." <laughs> yeah, very much. I, yeah, I'm on the same boat with you on that one. It falls in line with our catch our dear catchphrase: "Please make sure to please," but. <laughs> definitely <laughs> but yeah I, th- I think we're good with Harold Warriors um, so yeah um, moving on to our, our usual sort of like next segment what have you been what have you been playing recently Emric <laughs> or, or so, um, oh, I have literally I have literally not touched any game since last week to be honest I mean to be frankly honest yeah I've not touched a single game since last week what about you I was about to say, I feel like since you've been back at work, the burden is on me to try and get, cover this section. Um, but that's okay. That is more than okay. So do you have anything for Amrix Anime this week? Or is it the same? Amrix Anime, Black Clover is back after its little break over Christmas, which is fantastic to get the anime back. Okay. And they have started following the manga again as of a few weeks ago, which is brilliant because the other stuff was garbage. <laughs> Gotta say. Um, so it's nice to have that back. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen will be airing in Japan this evening, so we should get an episode early on Saturday, which is brilliant, so I'm looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I unfortunately did read all 163 chapters of the manga while I was on break. <laughs> so now I'm, now I'm pretty much up to date on the manga, and I'm just waiting to see how the anime holds up in comparison. That's Amrix Anime Roundup. <laughs> Oh, can I add some stuff to Amrix Amrix Anime Rando? Um, Go for it, please do. <laughs> so, were you reading? Um, did it finish recently? But were you reading like the the Dragon Ball Super stuff? Yes, like the Moro stuff. So I've not like I've I've only been seeing people online talk about it, and everyone's complaining. Um, so I've not I've not heard great things. But I don't know. Were you were you still keeping? Because I knew you were you were reading the manga. But I wasn't sure if you were keeping up to it and whether it's still going. Yes, so I am up to date. Yeah. Um, and we have hit a for fuck's sake moment. A what, sorry? A for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. Is it because yeah. of a plot convenience issue or is it because it's like, for fuck's sake, can we just not do the same shit over and over again? Uh, the latter. Yeah. The latter. So same, same shit over again and it backfires. And, uh, and then we get and, Goku being stupid. 
And basically, yeah. Yeah. So that, 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 yeah, I mean, that happened and now something else has happened, which is kind of like you like this doesn't need to happen, but it's happening again. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I probably won't catch up on the manga. I think uh, I'm just going to wait if they make an anime about it. But even then, I don't know, man. Like, how are you feeling about Dragon Ball Super all these years later? Are you still hoping that they make more? Or are you just going, you know, maybe we're, uh, maybe we're good now? <laughs> I am happy for, I'm always happy for more anime. Yeah. I'm always happy for more anime. I mean, like, I really enjoyed Super. I literally did rewatch all of Dragon Ball Super last August, and I still quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I like Super, um, but I, I don't know. I just, I think by the end of it, I was like, yeah, cool, I'm, 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 I'm okay. Um, I do want to see what happens next in terms of Super. I don't think the Universe Survival Arc is a good place to to end all of Dragon Ball. <laughs> No, no, definitely not. But um, I would, I would happily watch another Dragon Ball Super Super follow up anime. Fair enough. To say. Yeah. Um, and um, then the the other anime related thing um, that finally I can bring to the table. So I've been keeping up with um, Digimon, the, the Digimon reboot. Like, mm-hmm. so they rebooted the original Digimon series from like the early two thousands, late nineties. Um, this year, funnily enough. So it's been giving me a weekly thing to look forward to during the lockdown. Um, and it's really fucking good. Like, it's actually so much better than the originals. It's actually, um, it, it's a reboot done right is the best way to put it. Um, oh, that's fantastic. Like, I don't know if you watched the original uh, too much when you were a kid. Um, I, I watched the original series a fair amount. and um, Yeah, yeah, I did too. And I really liked it as a kid, but it's like it's harder harder to go back to it now. Even though I think as a series, it's a lot more approachable and uh, easier to digest than like Pokemon in terms of as an adult, there's still like plot as opposed to Pokemon, which hasn't aged particularly well. The anime, yeah. I mean, when when I was at university the first time around, we tried to watch the original Digimon series, and we did not find it palatable whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's but it's it's weirdly like um, it just kind of showcases anime of that time that we used to like as kids because they're they're hard to watch now. Whereas- yeah, true. But but you you say you you give the Pokemon example, but we thoroughly enjoyed going through Pokemon the um, the the first series and the Orange Island series. Did you see? I've I've kind of think yeah. I went the opposite way where I was like when I was rewatching the Pokemon, I was rewatching Pokemon again at uni, and I was like. You you kind of notice how um, how repetitive it really gets. Yeah, but we we loved it. We were super hyped up, and we were like shouting to join all the battles. <laughs> we, we got super involved. But yeah, uh, but um, but yeah, this uh, this Digimon reboot is great. They're definitely not following most of the plots from from the original series. Like for example, um, if you're familiar with the stages of evolution. Um, they're already at megas and they're only 30 episodes in. Oh god damn. Yeah, so they've 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 like rushed, not rushed it, because I think it helps with the pacing, because it means that the that first of all they're doing megas probably for all of the Digimon this time, not just the the main two. And oh really? Yeah, so you're gonna get megas for like all of them, and that's gonna be cool. That's and, that's quite cool. They're quite even to playing field, so it's not quite so focused on just several. Digimon was it? Not just focused on Agumon. <coughs> Agumon. 
yeah. and, and Matt and Ty, basically. It's a lot more focused on the the whole cast. And what's great is um, that, yeah, they're, they're going to be getting like everyone's megas, but also it's a lot more lore heavy. Um, this this one is way more lore heavy. And it's like goes on to details about like a, an old war and Digimon going into war with like the dark. It's fucking sick. For <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite cool though because that's exactly what you want from war well, an anime series you want like world building you want a background you want some information you want to know you want to know that kind of stuff exactly and it's it's like the uh the actual plot points are are they they they, they do that thing where i think if i watched it as a kid now i'd be like i'd enjoy the action but have no clue what they're talking about when it comes to the plot when it comes to the actual dialogue because there are points where the kids are talking and they're like hacking into the navy's gps system on the rss system and they're like oh no if this happens and the then these two boats are going to collide and then this is going to cause a war between america and russia and i'm like this is very different to what i remember when i was a kid that's hilarious you are, are you are you watching the um dub or sub i'm watching the sub there's no dub yet oh there's no okay fair enough. yeah it's just as soon as it comes out in, in japan i'm watching it but it's fucking yeah. it's really good like if uh anyone anyone listening like if you if you like the original series i think you kind of owe it to yourself to watch this or at least watch because it's a nice thing to have week to week like it's something to do mm-hmm. every sunday i'm like oh cool digimon's out let me watch the new episode and it's like the the characters are compelling and the getting to see all of the old digimon that i used to like as a kid but now in better in air quotes animation <laughs> and uh and the the digivolution's like way better animated and yeah. hand-drawn for some of them and shit it's so cool um and so, I, so sorry so i was just gonna say like you talk about it's nice having something to like uh show to look forward to every week yeah but, like that is that is basically how my week revolves because on monday golden camel used to come out yeah. tuesday's black clover friday is um jujutsu kaisen saturday <laughs> is um the Dragon Quest series and also the the new Inuyasha series. Yeah. So that's my that's my anime. That's my week of anime. You um, see, do you know what? It's so beneficial to like catch a series when it's live and you get to look forward to it week to week. Whereas binging anime, um, it's fun, but it takes a lot more out of me to like start. I think is the is yeah. the. Whereas if I if you if you're for example you were like this is airing now and you can catch it every week I'd be like yeah cool it's something to look forward to and that it, it kind of gets you through the week like it makes yeah. Sundays not suck as much that I know I can I can watch a new episode of Digimon yeah it's it's quite it's quite nice having that little thing to kind of look forward to and I used to have that with My Hero when that was on air. And yeah. I, I like you. I think the week to week format like is a, there's a novelty to it in the age of binging. Well, you've got some good news on that front. You've got the My Hero series coming back. I think it's springtime that's coming back. Awesome. So you've got, so you've got that to look forward to also. Good. Um, uh, there is Bleach is making a comeback. They're going to pick up where the the anime left off in 2012. And Bleach is one of the first animes I actually ever watched. And I have mixed feelings about coming it coming back, to be honest. Why? Um, why? So I know Bleach is like one a long-standing one, right? Because it's from the mid two thousands. Yeah, yeah. So I think the series started in two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Finished twenty twelve. Um, a lot of the time, the 
I believe the anime caught up with the mango, so they'd have entire arcs of just pure filler that a lot of the time was just garbage. <laughs> and then it ended pretty awfully, and the manga kind of carried on, and the manga apparently wasn't that great either, but they're going to basically pick up the series and carry on and finish the manga. Okay, so, so like, it'll be more canon-ish this time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, but... Um, I initially because it was one of the first of animes I watched, and I watched it all in English. So I'm kind of conflicted. I'm not sure whether to watch the new series in English or in Japanese. And I think I might go in Japanese, and I think that means I'm going to rewatch entire 363 episodes all in Japanese. I so I mean I was in a similar position with Digimon. Obviously, I was only ever used to like the English dub, and yeah. uh, watching this, I had to adjust because. Because, like, first of all, the characters have different names. I don't know if you know this, but in, like, for example, Matt in the English dub is Yamato. And, uh, that's, that's kind of similar. Yeah. And, and, and Izzy is Koshiro, which is very different. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's too different. <laughs> and, uh, and like, for example, TK was Takeru. So they're all, they're different enough names that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the same guy, but it's almost like the English dub names were nicknames for the Japanese names. That sounds like, yeah, that sounds like basically that's what they tried to do. Yeah, basically, because it's like, hey, TK. It's like, <laughs> oh, TK's voice is so annoying, though, in the Japanese, like, in the Japanese dub, it's irritating as shit. I mean, come on, like, Goku's not too much to uh, brag about, is it, either? Uh, but we, it's something. It's something that's like, endeared itself to us and has very much become part of the character i mean like masuka nozawa does i feel like she does a good job whereas i think with um with like she's she's a icon isn't she whereas yeah she she's she's basically the uh she is yeah the the japanese voice actor of like mm. all time kind of thing but definitely yeah there's I, I don't know i think it's just like kids and tv shows i've never really liked when it comes to hearing their voices and tk yeah just irritating as shit because they give him like really serious dialogue but then it's coming out of this kid this really childy voice and you're like oh my god dude but um but yeah man i think uh i think digimon's worth watch there's only 30 episodes in and they're probably wrapping up into the really good stuff now even though so far it's been pretty pretty great um there's been some dark moments and which, oh, yeah. like, there were dark moments in the original, don't get me wrong. Like, there were very dark moments in the original, but this is like way more consistent. But I think that's what yeah, yeah. it's almost like a Digimon, the people who make who are making the series have an appreciation that the original fans of the original series have grown up by like 20 years. And so they're making it for these fans, even without explicitly making it an adult show. That's cool. That sounds pretty cool. You gotta send me send me the link of uh, which series it is you're talking about, so I can actually start like looking into and watching it on Crunchyroll or just downloading it or some shit. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. It's, definitely it's, sounds like the kind of stuff I'd appreciate. I think you would because the fighting is cool as shit. Like the actual fight scenes are still as cool to me uh, now as as they were when I was little. So, oh, man. What they need to do is they need to come out with a new movie that makes zero sense and then translate to English so it makes no even worse sense. Yeah, the Digimon movie. We can get a second a second bastardized Digimon movie in the West. Uh, for people who don't know, um, the, the Digimon movie that came out in the early 2000s was actually a bastardization of like four different movies that they cut together and um, tried to make sense even though it made no sense. And then they stuck Smash Mouth All-Star in it to make kids like it. 
<laughs> yeah, that that movie gave one of my uni friends a migraine when he tried to watch it. <laughs> it makes no sense. I used to really like it when I was a kid because of like the soundtrack's very energetic, and I, I liked it as a kid because it was fan servicey. But as an adult, it just makes no fucking sense. But it's fair enough. It's it's like, like they did the best that they could out of a really like hard task in order to edit it all together. And to be fair, I think it grossed quite well in the uh, West, actually. They they made it because Pokemon, the Pokemon movie came out and they needed yeah. with it. And obviously, like both series were doing really well. So because Pokemon movie made a lot of money, um, the Digimon movie had to make a lot of money too. So it made like millions. God, even the Pokemon movie was like not in, in retrospect. I remember watching it at university and I remember finding it really, really boring. And I can't, I didn't remember it being this boring when I was a kid. But that original Pokemon movie is not great. Oh yeah, admittedly it has it's not great. Um, but I would definitely recommend checking out the um, the later ones they've redone on Netflix. They're no, they're quite they're good. I've been I enjoyed them. They're really good, aren't they? Um, the the one with um, Entei was it? Yeah, yeah. I watched. Um, so so they did um, Pokemon. I choose you. They did um, several others, but yeah, they were quite good actually. Hmm. I thought they were good too. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, in terms of Amrix anime, like we, we covered a fair bit there for what That's is the round up. This is the moment we need Neil Diamond to make like a a shonen little theme for us to wrap things up. I wish I could do a really solid Neil Diamond impression, but unfortunately I can't be like Amrix anime, Amrix anime. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Uh, um, I mean, it's, it's maybe something we need to work off, work on for the next episode, and then by the following episode, we'll get sued. I, I want to. You don't get sued for covers, to be fair. And if you're doing impressions, no, you, no, you won't. But I think he'd find it so offensive that he'd want to sue. <laughs> it's like stop mentioning my name, you two. I'm <laughs> every time you mention my name, I die a little bit inside. <laughs> oh, that that'd be like that's that's the goal. <laughs> Just like get sued by Neil Diamond, <laughs> and then our podcast gets shut down. But it's okay because it's by Neil Diamond. I wanna I wanna see if one of my my singer friends like maybe they know how to do a Neil Diamond impression and then they can try and do it for us. That'd be fucking cool. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Maybe fa- the the fans will get like their own Neil Diamond renditions of the the current anime, the current Train of Ambivalence theme, which is nothing. We have no theme tune at the moment. So yeah, we are, yeah that. We we need to work on this. We need to find something that's theme worthy for us. If anything, if any, worthy for us, worthy for us is like bottom of the barrel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the bar's very low. But anyone by God, will by God will we lower it even further? Anyone who fancies themselves from a musician, even like a garage band musician, and, and I don't mean garage band as in practicing with your band in the garage. I mean like the the piece of software on iTunes, on on Apple Macs. Um, anyone who fancies themselves a musician, you know what? Send us send us a theme, and yeah, we'd go really appreciate it. Yeah, go for it. Just shoot your shot. What 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 what, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? But also, what could go right? Like we can't reward you, but we will praise you. And yeah. and and be appreciative of you for a long, long time. And God damn it, it's something you could put on your CV. If musicians have CVs, I think I have no, I have no idea. <laughs> this was happening to me um, when when I was trying to do some comedy gigs, and somebody was like, "Oh, can you can you send me your comedy CV?" And I was like, "I have no idea what that would look like because I'm assuming it's just a list of all of the gigs you've already done, as opposed to going." <laughs> Uh, uh, strength um, uh, can stand up on stage and talk. 
So very different to other comedians. It makes people laugh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I think it would just be a piece of paper with a funny picture that you just hand to him. <laughs> and he'd he'd really appreciate your like your moxie and he'd be like, Oh god damn it, this guy's got the job. I like the cut of your jib. I like the cut of your jib, son. You've got the job. You are now manager. But yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> you're now manager of my comedy show. I'm going I'm gonna let you do all of the comedy now. Um in terms of other things that like we've been playing recently, so uh I, I restarted playing Bloodstained, uh, Ritual of the Night. Uh, because mm-hmm. I really wanted to play a Metroidvania. So for people who don't know, which is probably everyone, uh, I, I really like Metroidvanias. I think that probably mm-hmm. when they're done right is probably the most addictive type of game for me. It's like, you know how I talk a lot about burnout in game? That mm-hmm. has never happened in a Metroidvania for me. Yeah, I, I, I know you love off Metroidvania, just one extremely deep it's because it's, we're, we're talking like Mariana Trench Deep here. But this is the thing. I think I think it's because of the feedback loop. Because you're going so one of the best things, like for people who don't know, a Metroidvania is a game which is like super open open ended. And as you go through, um, so you're you're exploring like a big open ended area. And as you go through, you get more and more power ups to do more exploration. And so like you keep going to earlier um, earlier places that you visited and use new power-ups to get like to find new Mm -hmm. secrets and that sense of exploration and reward you get for going and and trying and thinking outside of the box and stuff it's so goddamn satisfying and specifically with with castlevania um Mm -hmm. the metroidvania castlevanias the reason why i find them so appealing is because they're also rpg they have rpg elements so you level up as you go along you get weapons and like multitude of weapons and spells and you can basically rank them up and and you beca- you become a fucking beast by the end of it and one of my favorite things to do in a video game is to like go to an area that used to give me shit and just wipe the floor with everything that go everything that is in that area like there is a corridor in Symphony of the Night, which in the beginning of the game, when you're first going through it, is a bit hellish. And then I went back to that corridor when I had the double Crusagrum, which is like the best sword in the game. And you're literally just walking and slicing through everything as you walk. And it is so satisfying. Yeah, it, become, it comes upon every kind of Metroidvania game where you break the threshold and you become like basically a force of nature. Exactly. You, you get a power trip. And it's so goddamn satisfying. And and the what sucked is that basically these sorts of games kind of went out of fashion. Um, so the last Metroidvania Castlevania was in 2008 on the DS, um, Order of Ecclesia, mm-hmm. which is, um, is it's like known as one of the best ones. And we've not had a Castlevania variant of it for since then, it's 2008. For, it's been, for yonks. Yeah. For yonks. And what happened is the the guy who is responsible for this basically the vania half of this genre um mm. igarashi he's the one who who basically took over for symphony of the night and turned it into this like this open-ended game with rpg elements and because it was so successful he had the keys to the franchise from that point mm. and it was under his direction that all of the gba and ds games came out and they were all so yeah. fucking great and 
then what happened is Konami Konami basically turned around to him and said nobody's interested in these sorts of games anymore. And so he quit. Konami, you sluts. Yeah, well, they, they, they would soon after pull out of the video game business altogether to focus on slot machines. So that kind of shows, you know, fuck mm. Konami. And, uh, and um, the thing with Igarashi, he, he wanted to prove them wrong. So he started a Kickstarter um, and basically said, like, I want to make this ultimate Metroidvania uh, in my style. And, uh, and it, it was like the record for yeah. the number of, of people backing a single game up until um up until Shenmue 3 I think it was but basically yeah it's like people they were so on board with this game so many people wanted to play his his Metroidvania um and that's how we ended up with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night which I think is probably my game of 2019 when it does when it did come out and I have now played through it three times and it's like you get a different experience every time because you have so many different options. And the, the, the utter, I've never, I don't often replay games multiple times in a single year. Whereas this, it's like, I genuinely think it's so addictive because when you yeah. go area to area, you're getting these such a, these fucking cool as hell power ups um, that, that end up opening up the whole map to you. And I would honestly recommend this game to anyone, anyone who has like a sense of exploration, but anyone who has a sense of just like you get a kick out of progression. It's like a, it's a 12 to maybe 13, 14 hour game altogether. So it's not even long either. It doesn't fall into our make shorter, please catchphrase. <laughs> this is honestly like a, a fantastic game. So at the moment I'm playing through it again and I'm about maybe a third of the way through. Um, I, I've like beaten a fair few of the bosses, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to do like a, a sword run at the moment. And that's really cool. Spells you get are cool as hell. Like honestly, if you if you get the chance, I would highly recommend Bloodstained. It's a fantastic game. That's really cool. I might actually look into it. Yeah, I do. I do. Sometimes it's actually nice to have like a shorter game to appreciate. Yeah, it's like when I played uh, Ratchet and Clank, and I was like the the PS4 Ratchet and Clank, and I'm like this game is short as hell, but I love it. Like. It's so frantic and it's nuts. I love it so much. But I think it's just when when games are too. Sh- I'd rather a game is too short than too long. I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it's just like I want you to respect my time. But yeah, man. Um, in in terms of things I've been playing recently, it's just mostly been that. And uh, in terms of watching, it's yeah, Digimon and. Uh, I, I have um, looked into starting the series Your Honor. Okay. It has Brian Cranston in it, and he plays a judge. Um, and it's so far got like maybe six episodes. It's out on in America on Hulu. So I'm going to start watching that, see how that is, one hour one mm-hmm. hour an episode. But I've, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm like completely sold on Brian C- Cranston whenever he's in something. And I yeah, feel like he, to watch it after, after I, I see he's in something, I'm like, I need to watch this. Yeah, he he does tend to do everything quite fantastically. He does, and it's crazy to think that this is like because I didn't realize um, maybe until like a bit later that he was the dad in Malcolm in the Middle. Did you not realize that was like the, I thought that was everyone's like main kind of selling point about? Um, it's only when everyone's I was like watching. everyone's just like oh shit, it's him for Malcolm in the Middle. No, that's the thing because when I was when I watched Breaking Bad like really late, um, so I didn't know he was in it basically and then when when i re- when i did watch it i was like wait the dad in malcolm in the middle was the, the, the guy from breaking bad what the hell 
Um, and then, and then, like, yeah, we just kind of progress from there. But he, he is ultimately a comedy actor, but because like he's an episode of Seinfeld, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He plays a dentist that kind of converts to Judaism. <laughs> there you it's, go. It's a very, it's a very strange episode. But yeah, he makes a recurring uh, uh, visits into the series. It's quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, in in terms of uh, things to watch, I think uh, that might be one on the watch list. Uh, I think in terms of like episodes to come, we should probably do more more movies and TV shows. I guess when we have time, yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. I mean, I we I would definitely recommend you watch the Disney um, the Disney movie Soul. Okay, yeah, cool. So we'll that's do... fantastic. It's got Tina Fey in it. Okay, cool. I know that. I know. I know that would probably uh, make you more likely to watch it. <laughs> it's like Tina Tina Fey is the Brian Cranston of of women. No, <laughs> no, no, not quite. But everything, everything Tina Fey touches is gold. <laughs> exactly. Gotta say. Um, okay, cool. So we will be doing Soul at some point on an episode. And because, uh, you know, every so often I feel like we're doing like a, a one for us, one for them sort of approach when it comes to these, which is we'll do a review, which is like super, super esoteric. So, for example, today is is Hyrule Warriors, which maybe people who aren't into gaming might not care about, or specifically The Legend of Zelda, whereas then we did Wonder Woman, which maybe we struggled to get through, but is way more accessible. That's true. Um, yeah, we're probably also constantly doing that pattern, but now you've mentioned it, we're probably going to get acutely aware of it and just try to avoid it altogether. Uh, yeah, or we maybe, you know, we'd be, we'd be more accessible and then we get more followers. <laughs> and oh, oh, well, I'm sure we will figure things out. Probably not, but... Probably not, but yeah. I feel like that is a good place to end it, man. We have been, we have been going strong for like four weeks now. Um mm-hmm and in a row and like long may it last honestly it's been such a good time getting back to this um yeah it's been good fun it's been good fun thank you to everybody who's been listening and join us next week for what we will probably be reviewing uh we'll figure it out when we when we get there next week but <laughs> yeah uh, come, yeah. come hop come hop on the ambivalent train at some point and join us again for more fun and games it'll be awesome Generally, I sat, I generally took like a double takeaway after you said that. I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Top on the train, and I realized, like, "Oh wait, it's the title of the podcast." <laughs> that really, like, that really sums up this podcast. I came up with that title without yeah. like even consulting you. I just went train of ambivalence. That sounds that sounds intelligent. Yeah, and several episodes in, I had to Google what ambivalent meant. <laughs> And like half the time, I can't even say ambivalent. But anyway, let's just leave it there. Yes. Um, so yeah, thanks, thanks to everybody, everybody who is listening. Thanks to Amrick for joining, and thank you to Neil Diamond for being Neil Diamond. Yeah, God bless you, Neil Diamond, and stay safe wherever you are. Cause I know you're probably quite old and probably in that waste group right now. Oh God, man! If this if if this virus gets Neil Diamond, I'm fucking giving up. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not, it's not worth thinking about anyway thank you for yeah. listening in and join us again next week join us again next week we'll figure out what we're going to talk about and then I'm sure it'll be fun and I'm sure I'm sure by then Neil Diamond will have responded to us and have provided us with our requests of, of segment tunes chip tunes for segments or at least a cease and desist or at least a cease and desist either way we will be displaying it so join us next week see ya see you again next week bye bye